1 Corinthians 13.6 says, Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Today I have a very special guest, Dr. Andrew K. Fox, where we have a very candid discussion about Halloween, Christians, Christian life, and the Bible, and what truth is. And I'm excited to share this episode with you. I know that Halloween can be a hot topic for Christians, whether we celebrate, do we not? And this is just an open discussion with Dr. Fox to just explore what we believe, why we believe it. And I hope you enjoy this episode. I've actually listened to it (laughs) several times now. And every time I listen to it, it just gets deeper and richer in my understanding. Um, I recommend you listen to it a few times. Uh, Dr. Fox has a very deep well of knowledge with his background in culture and in religion. And he just brings some light to some areas and actually simplifies some things that we like to convolute as Christians. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And here we go. Alrighty, everybody, this is Jess with Cosplay for Christ. I have a very special guest. I know I don't have guests too often, but when they come on, they're good, right? (laughs) So I have Dr. Andrew K. Fox from Cultural Clarity with me. Dr. Fox and I, we worked together years back, and we wanted to talk about Halloween and the Christian life. And this topic kind of got stirred up in my heart recently, just with you know, us moving to a subdivision, Halloween being more prevalent in our area, it's easier to not celebrate Halloween when you're out in the country and no one comes to your door knocking for candy. But Dr. Fox played kind of an integral part in me and my family shifting from celebrating Halloween to not. But before we get into that, I want to talk to Dr. Fox. Uh, let's, Let's just start with What's your background? Where are you from? What's going on? You're you're not from here, are you? <laughs> no, Jessica, I'm not. And thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. I'm thrilled that you're doing this. I'm from England, from Nottingham, from Robin Hood country. And uh, I don't know if that uh, genre carries into my character, robbing the rich and giving to the poor. But um, <laughs> yes, that's where I'm from. And uh, 24 years ago, I moved to the United States to be a pastor in Washington State. And um, that has led me to this present day, to what I'm doing. And each stage is a milestone of development and learning. And uh, of course, my my research is amongst uh, young adults, particularly Gen Z and late millennials, in beliefs, rituals, values how those are performed, how those are communicated to others. And Halloween is coming right upon us. Yes, and it so, is. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a great way to uh, address this subject that has uh, become commercialized. But like so many things, let me get right off the back and say, I've been to India and I've been to other countries like that, and the demonic is prevalent. Hmm. You can see it with your eyes closed. But in the West... The demonic drives around in a Rolls Royce and wears a tuxedo. It is so <laughs> integrated, you cannot see it right in front of you. So let wow. me leave you with that thought as a way of introduction. Okay, that's great. So, okay, so let's back it up a little bit. Let's talk about you growing up in the UK. Did you celebrate Halloween growing up? Was that part no, of your... No, it wasn't. Um, 
like like most things, America is the leading country when it comes to commercialized celebrations. So when I was growing up, it was more uh, Guy Fawkes Night or Bonfire Night on November the 5th, where the British celebrate the failed attempt of blowing up the Houses of Parliament way back in the, I believe, uh, 16th century by Guy Fawkes, the Catholic. And so they, they burned him at the stake. And so every year on November the 5th, the British build bonfires and they build an effigy of Guy Fawkes and they throw him on the fire. There's fireworks, hot potatoes and food and everything else. Um, a little, little pagan, but that's, that's kind of the celebration of the British. And so I didn't really grow up around Halloween too much. It wasn't a big thing until I became an adult in living in England. And then it, it just, you know, the focus was more on dressing up parties and trick or treat. So you notice a shift. I, so I was trying to do a little background of like the origin of Halloween and all that stuff. And it kind of roots back to some Celtic um, holiday of Samhain. Salwin or something yep. where they uh, it sounds like it was kind of more of a uh, it was like their tradition where they, they there was bonfires so that's interesting you said something about bonfires they would make a, a hearth and like go around and and get the collective hearth bring it to their homes but then there there's a whole other spiritual side of it where they talked about like the veil was thin and so they would entertain ancestors or demons and you could see this kind of across different they they call them ancestors, but they're probably more familiar spirits than anything that they were entertaining. But then children, you know, it progressed to like children dressing up and like tricking or entertaining the spirits while they had a feast. And it was this whole stuff and it merged, it sounds like it merged kind of recently, like America kind of took it and ran with it in the last now 50, 70 years. And created kind of this commercial thing for it. But what was the shifting you experienced like childhood to adult to see that shift in the celebration over in the UK? Well, by the time I became an adult, I was, I was uh, pastoring church. And so your work per se is very much centered in the community. You know, British communities have many traditions and you yeah. mentioned bonfires, you know, the, the four elements of fire, wind, earth, and water before there was technology, the current sciences, and many more disciplines that we study today, these things were worshipped and seen as godlike or elements of the gods. So it's not unfamiliar to find in any current uh, practice or celebration, the further and further back you go, the de-evolution the de of it, you find these four elements. Yeah. Of, uh, of fire, wind, earth, and uh, water. So um, those things are very prevalent. When I became an adult in England, I was pastoring a church. It's cold in England, so, you know, community bonfires, standing around it, poking it with a stick. Um, <laughs> all of those things are quite common. But what I became acutely aware of is the adornment of someone's house, especially the entrance of a house. Which, again, you know, a door is not just a door. The, the further and further back you go, it's, a, it's an entrance way into not only someone's home, but what they believe. And so, like mm -hmm. the Hindus do today, I sold my house a couple of years ago in Leander, and I sold it to a Hindu family. Drove by after I'd sold it, and the whole entrance was adorned with uh, Hinduism. Beautiful things. But it meant you are entering the house of, of people with those beliefs. Well, so it is with Halloween. I began to take note of the jack-o'-lanterns that were there and, you know, what did they mean? And they were to 
you know, there's nothing wrong with putting in a big orange pump outside your house. Um, nothing wrong with that at all. But to carve a, a demonic face into it is to mm. ward off demons, is to frighten yeah. off demons. And black cats and, uh, and, and other things that you could say are more witchcraft. Yeah. Innocent to a child, but unnecessary when it comes to celebrating that time of year. So others, yeah. they would celebrate with what we would call, you know, harvest. Mm -hmm. The October-November time is a time of summer into winter. And uh, as you correctly said, it comes from the Celtic countries, you know, the Irish, the Scottish, the Welsh. They celebrate it this way. And they adorn their entrances to their homes and their dwelling places with such things. So, you know, you go into a Jewish home and you'll notice on the, the door jam, there is, I forget what it's called, the mezuzah. symbol. That, yeah, the mezuzah. Yeah, the when they go in. And you, you'll also find in some homes of Catholics, Christians, a cross or something mm -hmm. like that. Hey, some people even put political persuasions on there. Um, whatever <laughs> you want. But what I objected to was uh, forms of witchcraft. Yeah. But that's what I noticed. And um, to my surprise, people were ignorant of those things. Yeah. So we had a class together where you were leading and you had said earlier that like you love it when the light goes on with the student that you're teaching and that that student begins to think for yourself. That's like a big reward that you as a teacher and a pastor experience. So there was a moment um, in this class that I was taking with you where you started going into Halloween and the origins, the explanations of what it is truly and what people are celebrating that in through that class, I ended up getting very convicted about Halloween. Growing up, I briefly practiced trick-or-treating whatever in New York with my parents. And then my parents got convicted. And then it was like, it's evil. We're not doing it. And we were forbade to do any kind of Halloween. We couldn't draw ghosts. We, I mean, it was very like went from 100% to zero <laughs> in a very short time. And my parents were very staunch about it, but they didn't explain to a curious child, you know, the real origins and reasons behind their decision other than it was bad and we're not going to do it. And then as I got older, they got a little lax because we're, you know, in high school and it doesn't matter so much. So we start trick or treating, start going, you know, parties again. And then, you know, kind of took a break. Then we had kids, oh, okay, dress them up. They're so cute. We're going to go trick-or-treating. And so we had started trick-or-treating and celebrating, you know, the church had something, we would go do that. And then we had this class and I felt such a conviction about it that I told my husband, like, we should not be doing this. So as a Christian, what are your thoughts on Christians celebrating Halloween? And how do you think that us as believers in Christ should respond to Halloween? I'm going to ask you for permission to be not blunt, but to be very straight. Is that okay? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, which, I, think, I think there's something that lies behind that question, a biblical illiteracy. The Bible was not written for academics. The Bible was not written as a study book. It is the living word of God that a child can understand and an adult can understand. And so I'm not wanting to recast the living word of God as something that it isn't. Yeah. But hands down, the statistics show us that we don't read it. We don't uh, discipline ourselves to daily read the word of God. And the scripture itself tells us to press on to our children certain beliefs and certain values. 
and we're told to let these things dwell in our hearts richly. Psalm 119 tells us it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. In short, the Word of God is living and active in our conscience. So even though we don't know precisely what's going off, when our consciences are pricked, when they are made aware, oh, something's off here. We might not know straight away, but make no mistake, it's not our own cleverness. It is the living Word of God that says, this is not good for you. Then begins the inquiry as to, why is this not good for me? Hmm. So um, that's the place to start. And you have to look at the data. Statisticians like the Barna Group, the Gallup Poll, the Pew Research, and others that are reputable statisticians at the increase of the Christian in celebrating Halloween ignorantly. Now, let me share this with you, Jessica, that if you imagine Christianity as water, okay, any context that Christianity goes into is the glass. So think of a beer glass, a cognac glass, a wine glass, a champagne glass. They're all very different. If you imagine the glass as culture, Christianity can enter into any culture and take on its shape. So Christians in China are not Christians in England. Christians in England are not Christians in America and so on and so forth. There is the cultural element that Christianity works with. And these traditions and celebrations are part of those cultures. However, there are some of those traditions and cultures that are not acceptable. And in my view, celebrating the dead is a contradiction to Jesus conquering death. Hmm. Now, we can talk about the history of Halloween, of where it came from, and all hallows that um, Mm -hmm. some of the Christian church celebrators... um, They try to take back the pagan holiday. (laughs) That's the water going into the glass and taking on a form. I've got no problem with that. Yeah. I have no problem in, in going to my own mother's grave and remembering her in England and my brother's grave and my grandparents' grave and remembering the dead and thanking God for all the influence they've been in my life. There's nothing wrong with that. But to celebrate them as a corpse and to dress up as such is a contradiction to the angels rolling the stone away and Jesus mm. having his grave clothes neatly folded and appearing to many people as the resurrection and the life. And, and so there is a point where, yes, you know, we can adorn the entrances of our houses with uh, things of the season, but to take it as far as warding off demons and celebrating the dead and dressing up as such. And trick or treat, of course, has its origins in uh, give me a treat or I'll put a curse on you. Yeah. Um, and so there is a point where the water goes into the glass where which is determining what? Does the glass dictate to the water or the water dictate to the glass? If you follow my line of thought there. The Word of God, it makes our conscience aware of whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy. You know, think on these things and to set our minds on things above. Yeah. We don't always get it right. Right. Um, I mean, the present challenges today with online gaming there's nothing wrong with online gaming but online gaming is turning into online adulterous affairs with fictitious (laughs) characters you know and you know how far do you want to take it so the the fact that halloween is about the dead and as you said earlier on it's that veil between 
October 31st and November the 1st or Hallows Day where they say the veil is thin and the living and the dead interact. I'm sorry, but Jesus conquered death. Yeah. He conquered the grave. And that is why when loved ones die, yes, we're grieved, but we will see them again because of what Jesus has done for us. And so those two things don't fit. So, you know, what do we do with that? Well, I, I don't go marching up and down my neighborhood, you know, like some fundamentalist telling people what to do. <laughs> my goodness, no. I'm, I'm sitting on my driveway and I am, I am giving out candy to kids you know, no, no uh, bullhorn yelling, you're going to hell if you give no, candy out. <laughs> no, no, no waving flags. There's nothing demonic about my house. But um, I'm a Christian and I live in a neighborhood. And, and to be Christ-like is to enter into the water, into the glasses, hmm. as to how can I be an influence here. But as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And so we, we don't participate in those symbols of death. Yeah. It, it's funny because um, I've noticed it a lot more lately. Because, uh, I mean, obviously, every holiday has been completely commercialized by people trying to make money. And it's, I've noticed, you know, each holiday is celebrating something. And you can usually tell what they're celebrating by the decorations for that holiday. So, Fourth of July, we have all the red, white, and blue, independence, you know, we're celebrating our freedom, Christmas, birth of Christ, some people, Santa, you know, like giving gifts, generosity is what we're saying. Valentine's Day, love, you know, yeah, go to the origins, everything's pagan. But but then Halloween comes around and you look at the decorations and we see demonic dolls, we see skeletons. I've seen Nephilim bones recently, which is hilarious and kind of terrifying to see like 15 foot skeletons running around like, Okay, awesome. And just, you know, witches and cauldrons and death and like just you could see yards where it gives me the heebie-jeebies just even walking by them. I'm like, ugh, go away. So like, so for Christians who are like, oh, I don't celebrate that. I just, I'm here for the candy. What do you say to to, to people of that nature where like, well, I don't do the evil things, but like, do you see a problem or a disconnect with that? Or do you think, what is your opinion on that? Well, again, it's I have no problem in um, giving out candy to children in my neighborhood, you know, often and rightly so, escorted by their parents. Whether they're dressed up as ghosts, demon skeletons, or something from Marvel comic or DC, you know, yeah. uh, characters, uh, it makes no difference to me. Uh, I want to be the hands and feet of Christ. I want to be, you know, to love your neighbor as yourself. I don't want to be the condemning one. Yeah. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that, that we do not condemn others. Uh, and the, for the Christian, the, the bar is pretty high that our own hearts condemn us Yeah, um, you know, when we are out of line. And we do sin. The Bible tells us that um, you know, if we say we do not sin, the truth is not in us, and we tell a lie. And mm -hmm. so we ourselves as believers wrestle with things throughout the year. But I do believe there are points in the year where we can be more like Christ than other times. Instead of the fundamentalist of what we don't stand for is to make it clear what we do stand for. Now, quite often, Jessica, as, as children are, are dipping into the big bowl of candy that I've got, you know, we'll get chatting as parents, and I'm known as a Christian. And so, you know, I look for those conversations. 
and those kind of connections. You know, Jesus would would often find himself in situations not like Halloween, but in the all-embracing tax collectors and sinners. You know, he wasn't afraid to mix with the people. So yeah. in answer to your question, I'm not afraid to mix with the people at Halloween, but I will not attend a Halloween party, which mm. in the adult world is becoming extremely sexualized as well. Yeah. And that's another story. But, you know, again, whatsoever things are pure and holy, you know, you think on these things. So I don't go to Halloween parties. Uh, I don't go to Halloween events. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, when my children were small, we used to go on hay rides and we used to go to the pumpkin patch and uh, yeah. pick out some pumpkins. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing is a standalone. Even when Moses introduced Passover there in the book of Exodus, you know, none of the Israelites questioned him because he adopted pre-existing rituals of Egypt. Uh, that were to appease the gods, animal sacrifices to appease the gods so they would pass over the Egyptian homes. And what God told Moses to do was to adapt what, you know, was pre-existing. There's a lot of adapting that we can do at Halloween. Instead of turning off the lights, bar humbug, you know, leaving a sign on the door saying, go away, but you're invited <laughs> to church tomorrow. It, it, it's just, that's great. That's a bit of a contradiction. <laughs> What I will say, though, is that I've often found it humorous that a Christian would have skeletons and gravestones in their front yard on a Saturday and then on a Sunday go celebrate the resurrection of Christ. It's, there's a naivety to that, and I have compassion with that. I, I don't believe people are belligerent. I, I just yeah. the naivety of the power of what God has done for us in Christ. Well, and, you know, as we read our Bibles— I mean, it's very clear what is okay and what is not okay in regards to, you know, obviously witchcraft, sorcery, drunkenness, sexual immorality. It says that in Galatians 5. And then, but then it goes on to what we show, you know, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that were, that there's no law. So when we celebrate, if we're celebrating Halloween, if we're on the one side of the the, the sexual immorality, the sorcery, the hatred, the, you know, the murder. I mean, that's all the side that they're saying, do not do this. And then, I mean, I could see as a, as a Christian, if you are bringing joy, peace, patience, you, those fruit of the spirit to the conversation and bringing light into kind of a dark holiday that people yeah. celebrate, I could see that there'd be a benefit and, you know, we're supposed to be light to the darkness. You know, that's what we're called to do. We're supposed to be the hands and feet of Christ and represent well. But how do you how do you balance that with small children who want to go trick or treating, who want to to want to participate in the school activities, to do well, are we, intrigued we, are intrigued by spooky things. So there's well, that we, element as a parent, you know, that we are trying to wrangle with. So what are your thoughts on that? Well in my own context, my, my children are, are 27, 24, and 21. Well, physically they are. Sometimes they're <laughs> emotionally quite younger than that. Um, but um, we never let them go trick-or-treating uh, when they were children. And they didn't feel like they missed out on anything because we'd go, you know, the hay ride, you know, the puppy patch. And, you know, we wouldn't lock up the doors and batten down the windows kind of thing. But children are 
largely blank slates. And, and what we teach them and, and tell them why uh, in that innocence, they don't miss anything. Yeah. See, I, I feel I grew up in a very rich home. Now as an adult, I realize that mom and dad didn't have that much money, but I didn't know that. And so a child doesn't think like an adult. And, and so we must be mindful of the blank slate that they are and give them the reasons behind what we do. But as you correctly say, light and darkness. Let me ask you this. The, 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 there is a story in the Old Testament of the witch of Endor who conjured up the, uh, the spirit of Samuel. Yeah. And King Saul spoke to him. Well, to me, that, um, that shows the power of the cross, that, that when Jesus conquered death in the grave, it's not a relative you conjure up through a seance or through some other means. It is demonic. Yeah. Well, it's she was shocked. Demonic. She was shocked it's that she actually got someone that wasn't yep. a demon because she was used yep. to conjuring up demons, not, not an actual like, oh, this is the old, this is the prophet that died. Holy, she was terrified yep. in that scripture. <laughs> and, and Jesus put a stop to all of that by conquering death yep. and the grave. You know, uh, you know, death, where is your sting grave? Where is your victory? It's conquered. There's no ongoing battle. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, that's the beauty of, of following Christ. So the sheer power of the resurrection shows us that if someone is dabbling around with the demonic, it is the demonic that yeah. you're, you're messing around with. And that is a very real world. And as I said earlier, in the West, evil has become, or darkness has become so sophisticated, mm. it now parades around as light, yeah. um, as acceptable. And this is where we need the voice in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord. So with these issues, we must wrestle with Scripture, openly discuss it, be prepared yeah. to listen as well as speak. It, it's not just limited to Halloween, but other times of the year. My daughter-in-law is, is Mexican, and, um, wait, you know. Wait, hold up. Daughter-in-law? Daughter-in-law? Yeah, my, my son, got, Zach, got married. Yeah, and guess what? <laughs> They're expecting their first baby oh, on October 31st. On Halloween. Oh, that's that's hilarious! Oh my god! So I god. jokingly said to her, and and inappropriately so, I said, "You're going to keep your legs crossed on Halloween and have the oh baby on All Saints Day." Yes. <laughs> she, she wasn't very happy about me saying that, but the um, the in in a Mexican culture, obviously they celebrate the Day of the Dead. Right, uh, Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's how then? It, it's not just Halloween. But how then, as a Christian, do you deal with that? Oh. And I, I personally feel we don't in the West uh, know how to deal with the dead, maybe in the way we should. So, for instance, at a funeral in the West, you know, you attend a funeral and you leave the casket, the coffin above ground, and you very rarely see it going into the ground. Why? Because we can't cope with that. And I think we should be able to cope with that even though it hurts tremendously because when you see that casket laid to rest then the peace of god comes that transcends all understanding hmm. and you know that all is well and so we don't handle those things well we have memorial day of course but we we don't handle like when my mom passed away of cancer every time i go to england i'll go to a grave and take some flowers 
I, I'll say, you know, uh, I miss you, mom. She's not there. She's not listening. She's with the Lord. But it does me good to yeah. honor her. And I think in the East, they honor the dead and respect them, even leaving a a plate, knife, and fork at the dinner table for them as though they were still there. They they go to another extreme in honoring the dead. I think we must search the scriptures of how we honor those that are no longer with us, waiting in anticipation before we see them again with Christ. Mm. So that's a story we should tell our children instead of the bogeyman and what goes bump in the night. That's you know? good, yes. Um, but our children do have fears, and we must address them. Well, and I think sometimes people belittle the spiritual world. They are, they may believe it exists to a certain extent, but that it's not in their lives or or even prevalent. the The Bible in Ephesians says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but of the spiritual realm of the um, the. I'm forgetting the verse, but you, you know the verse, Ephesians six, and when we are talking to people. So I've talked to uh, Christians who basically unknowingly practice witchcraft. And, yep. and when I, when I present to them that maybe what they're doing is not biblical or of, of Christ, there is a, I find that there is a struggle that happens with them, whether it is a conviction that happens or just a complete, it's almost like they, they don't want to hear it. What would your advice be to to Christians who see so I'm and again, I'm not talking about people who don't believe in Christ. They don't know Jesus. I don't expect people who don't know Jesus to act like Jesus, you know, and of course, people who know Jesus doesn't doesn't always act like Jesus either. but but when there's something that is like, you know, someone burning sage in their house, which is a witchcraft practice, but yeah. they grew up. Catholic. And so that was something that was normal for them to do, which I, I mean, I'm, my mom grew up Catholic. So I've, I've heard, you know, I'm not saying Catholics are not Christian, but you know, there's things that I see in even evangelicals that practice that I'm like, that, that's not exactly what the Bible is saying, or you're taking. There's, there's many things, Jessica, I think, you know, crystals, um, yeah. You know, uh, wearing St. Christopher, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But believing that has power, yeah. uh, that piece of jewelry has power, then that's quite something else. Or, you know, buying, you know, water from the River Jordan and sprinkling it over your car so you don't have a car accident. The, the, these are, are things of animism. They attribute power to tangible objects. And that is what the Bible forbids us to do. Hmm. And I do believe this is why Jesus was crucified on the cross, that he was resurrected from the tomb, that we're not required to go on an annual journey to Jerusalem to pay homage, that Christ is with us now. The point is not the empty tomb. The point is that he is alive and he is with us. Nothing wrong with wearing a crucifix or a cross, but if you attribute power to that piece of jewelry, then hmm. that is something else. Yeah, and then there's burning sage, there's knocking on wood. They're speaking things into a mirror. There's lighting a candle and saying certain things. And, of course, in the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church, there are extremes where uh, these are more medieval practices that are being carried down rather than the life and the freedom of Christ. Mm -hmm. But I, I still come to it, you know, Jessica, that Scripture is not Charles Dickens. It's not William Shakespeare. It's not Lord Byron or Thackeray. It's... It, it's not C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien. It's not some of the classics. 
It's a living word of God. And when we read it, it comes alive. Now imagine this. And, and you, you know you can buy Bibles for children, you know, with lots of, you know, wonderful, colorful pictures for them to grasp. And, but, you know, when I was growing up, we had pop-up books. I don't know if they're still around today. Yep. Where you open the book and the whole castle popped up or yeah. the mountain or something books. like that. Well, the living word of God is like that, that as we go through life and we encounter certain experiences, what we have read, what we cerebrally understand when we go through the experience suddenly becomes alive. So like when my mom died uh, five years ago, uh, sorry, four years ago, um, Paul's writing Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15 on the resurrection, it comes alive. Hmm. I've read it a thousand times, but it, it's, it now comes alive. You know, when my, when my son got married, you know, he adopted his wife's already daughter, a little girl. Hmm. I too am adopted. Ephesians comes alive that we're adopted in him hmm. and takes on another form. If I wasn't reading the word of God, there's no pop-up. There's no hmm. aha moment. There is no, ah, this makes sense. So when we talk about Halloween, you're always going to get two sides of the debate. But you bring the word of God into it, you do start to see things of witchcraft, as you say. Yeah. You know, um, I... I I know people who will cross themselves out of a mark of respect and, uh, and a public witness that they are a Christian. But there's no power in crossing yourself. Yeah. There's power to our words, but we are not people of incantation. Yeah. We don't pronounce power. We speak of the power of Christ. Um, oh, the again, Bible Halloween says it does not speak to that. Yeah. That, I mean, the scripture says that it's, you know, I will sow Apollos waters, but it's the spirit that makes it grow. It's this, it's God, it's the Holy Spirit that is the one that is actually the power in all those things. And yeah, I, people do attribute, oh, if I, if I say this prayer, just this one way, I'm like that. No, no, it's not a spell. We're not. <laughs> right. right. You know, yeah. we can do nothing on our own. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can do anything. And yes. I, I think I think it's, um, you know, combination of traditions, um, how we were brought up that we 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 kind of meld and mix the Bible with with traditions. And um, and even I mean, Halloween is literally a melding of like five different <laughs> celebrations of oh, harvest yeah. and death. And like, I mean, you know, we just like to just kind of shove it all together and be like, and it's this, here you go. You know, and you know, we have to have discernment, I think in these practices, is this really of God or is this just a tradition? Is this oh, just, yeah. you know what I mean? If, if you can get to the harvest time in, in Britain. There was the wicker man um, where, where you placed a, um, a female virgin in the wicker man and burnt them to the stake to have a fruitful harvest the next year. And of course, that has strong connections to the Burning Man. In I was going to say, that sounds like Burning Man Festival. <laughs> so, you know, most of our traditions, if not all of them, are a hybrid of other things. Um, if I was to say to you, six of the Ten Commandments pre-existed before Moses, that every ancient Mesopotamian country or world had a flood story. Yahweh and Jehovah, I think it was Yahweh married a goddess and gave birth to Jehovah in the ancient worlds, and God, 
through Moses, right in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, adopted pre-existing understandings of things to convey the truth of who God is. Hmm. And of course, God still does that today through the traditions, you know, of our world. The Chinese wear red at a funeral and white. They do not wear black. We wear black. Where'd that come from? You know, um, is there anything in it? You know, the Chinese, when they make a cup of tea, is done with ritual. The mm -hmm. British, they just do it properly, uh, <laughs> without ritual. Um, and it's milk first and then the tea. If you do it the other way around, then you're going to hell. I'm sorry, you are. I, but, <laughs> I, I, th I think I remember um, my crew showing you how to have a proper tea in your office this one time. <laughs> I will never forget that. that was I came back from vacation and it was filled with redneck stuff. And where I'm at right now, where I'm at right now on the East Coast, just, just speaking over here, Yesterday in my address, I said, um, when, when, you are, when you are preaching the gospel, the Bible tells us it's, it's, it's as though a veil has covered people's eyes. It's like an Englishman telling a Texan redneck what Christmas morning is like in England. Is no idea, <laughs> unless the veil is removed. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it's, yeah, I'll never forget that, coming home to rednecks. That was quite something. That yeah. was, that was, I, I posted a picture of it before on my cosplay site and I'll probably repost it again because it, it was all tongue in cheek and for fun because oh, we, lo we love you because we love you and it we just hilarious. wanted to. hilarious. <laughs> I absolutely love it. We tried so, to do every stereotype of like redneck, you know, Southern, whatever that we could bring in Texas to UK. Magnificent. <laughs> It, it was magnificent. It, it uh, you know, extremely memorable for sure. It was so fun. Okay, we sidetracked, but let's, I'm going to look at my notes here. Um, what, kind of wrapping up a little bit, what, what takeaway would you leave us with? What thought for uh, Christians who, let's go, let's, let's do a couple. One, to the Christian who they do not celebrate Halloween. They don't want to have anything to do with it. What is your advice to that person on how to represent Christ at Halloween? And then the second question is to the Christian who celebrates Halloween. What is your advice to them on the best way to represent Christ as they celebrate Halloween? I would say to both, in the Old Testament, you touched a leper and you were unclean. In the New Testament, you're expected to touch the leper so they can be made whole. Huh. There is a paradigm shift that takes place because of the death and resurrection, ascension of Jesus and his promise to come again. That there is creativity and imagination, wiggle room, if you want to say, to enter into the culture around us without betraying Christ who lives in us. And I do believe in some cases that is a matter of conscience. For some people. Practically, I would strongly encourage that people buy the book called Understanding Folk Religion. It is a terrific book. I've read it several times myself that takes you through these issues we're talking about. Understanding Folk Religion, F-O-L-K. And it talks about symbolism, uh, what things mean, nonverbal postures, dressing up, and all kinds of things. I mean, you, you've also got, you know, in the Anglican world uh, that I swim in, a priest will wear his vestments. 
And of course, there are different vestments and different colors to wear for Advent, for Christmas, for uh, Epiphany, for Lent, for Easter, and so on and so forth. And each garment means something very special. And as the priest puts them on, he will say certain prayers. Pentecostals will think that's ridiculous. And, and think, what's wrong with skinny jeans, bare feet, and a t-shirt? With ACDC on the front, you know? What's wrong with that? And let's sing to Jesus about being a tree swaying in the wind and all kinds of stuff. Sloppy uh, wet kisses. and oh. Yes. So, so you see that there's creativity depending on who you're talking to. Uh, Understanding Folk Religion is, is a great book to uh, read through. But I would come back to that answer that because of what Christ has done for us, we now can go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations. We can. That is not an Old Testament promise. The Old Testament promise was, look at Israel, the chosen people, the monolithic God that they worship. They don't worship multiple gods. They don't play around with other things. Look at their witness. But now it's you go into all the world. And so Halloween's coming, we go into it. We go into it with Christ. And um, I trust this Halloween, there'll be great conversations that arise that will lead to further conversations about tell me more about Christ and what he has done in destroying death and the grave. Why are you standing next to your neighbor with a grave in his front yard? Um, (laughs) I think God smiles on those things. But I would say to the believer, please, don't celebrate death in any way whatsoever, but remember the dead appropriately. That's so good. So good. This is why this is why I needed to have you on here. I'd also like to say and have your thought on, because there's a scripture with people that, I don't know, I said we we're finishing up, but I just had this thought, if you struggle with satanic, demonic ties to things, if you came out of the occult, if you have... Uh, you you seem to tend to gravitate towards dark things. What is your advice to that person who who believes that they are saved? They are one, you know, they've accepted Jesus in their heart. You know, they're 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 living for the Lord, but but there's this pull that they find with the dark side of things. What what would you say to to Christians like that? Because I know many. That's a very good. It's <laughs> a very good question. I, I would. I would say that in its, the question in itself is not only valid, but it, it shows that day after day, week after week, and month after month, year after year, if we pursue darkness, it does create what, what the scriptures call the root of sin in mm-hmm. us. Sanctification is a daily process. And I would say, go to the Book of Common Prayer or Hillsong, either, either, either one, and and every day, uh, just pleasantly and audibly make your confession to God. I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and buried. He descended to the grave. But on the third day, he rose again and he ascended into heaven. And from there, he will He's seated by the right hand of the Father, or judge the living and the dead, believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, meaning unity, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the dead, and life everlasting. Amen. When you make that confession every day, 
you are resetting, and I don't want to sound like a psychiatrist, you're resetting the pathways in your brain of what is it you are convinced of. And the repetition of confessing your faith, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I do not believe Jesus is a magic wand to wave over anyone, um, but we should lovingly and compassionately realize that years of being in darkness and coming into this glorious light that we should nurture and cultivate and feed into that light. As Jesus said, I am the light, now walk in the light. It's a process. And to quote that old hymn, you know, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart, it rolled away. It was there by faith I received by sight. And so um, it's a gradual process, I would say. Uh, not one of theater mm. and dramatics, not one of theater and posting on Instagram, screaming and frothing at the mouth. Um, that's not what Jesus did. Yeah. Um, it's one centered on the word of, the, of God and the confession of our mouth, realizing that we, I posted on social media that we have seen the loss of the soul in my lifetime. The soul has become less and less important. And our present ideology is trying to recreate the soul, and it cannot. Mm. Yeah. So even the unbeliever, even the unbeliever, like uh, David's psalm tells us, you know, my soul pants after you like a deer after streams of living water. You know, my soul faints, even yearns. We, we are very deep people as human beings. And that psalm ends with, where can I go to meet with God? So get yourself to church, get yourself in fellowship, get yourself celebrating the Eucharist of what God has done for us and the how he's made us, our pathways, how we think. Yeah. This is why diets don't work, you know, and I'm a chunky <laughs> monkey, you know. I, I, I come off pizza and carbs and you know what? It goes straight back to it, you know. Because <laughs> they're so good. <laughs> and so it is with our spiritual lives. Um <laughs> daily walking with God, be in fellowship with others. And if your home has things of incantation and things that you're attracted to, maybe subscriptions that you are paying for that are CD or anything like that, cut it out. Hmm. Surround yourself with good people. And slowly and surely, people will see the difference in you. Hmm. Dr. Fox, you are a breath of fresh air. Thank you for coming on and talking about this with me. I just, every time I go on, on, on the uh, interwebs, there's just, you know, there's such a division that I see of you celebrate, you don't like in the Christian community. And it's so nice to hear truth. You know, people just need to go to the word of God and, yeah. And, and they need to read what it says. And then God, the spirit will, will convict where it needs to convict. And it will also um, bring light to where there needs to be light. And everything you said is, I feel like that is right in line with that thought. So um, I really do appreciate you taking time. Pleasure. I know you're so busy. Absolute um, pleasure to chat with you, Jessica. Yeah, it was Absolute so good to pleasure. see your face again and, and hear your voice in real time. And have a response. <laughs> but, I, miss um, your, I miss your biting sense of humor as well. I've, you know, I've we, restrained it for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to learn to laugh at ourselves for sure. 
Thank you for having me on, Jessica. Real quick, Dr. Fox, where can people reach you if they want to get in contact with you, uh, engage in the conversation more? Where can they go? You, you can go to a number of places. You can uh, you can call me directly on uh, my mobile, 512-897-7886. So you could email me at andrew at drandrewfox.com or uh, go to the website of uh, drandrewfox.com. Reach out to me and... Um, I would love to engage with you some more. Okay. I will have all those contact infos in the show notes. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. Just remember to be blessed, know who you are in Christ and take ground for the kingdom. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.